This episode of Little Bit of Life podcast is brought to you by Lions Not Sheep. At Lions Not Sheep, they believe in one simple concept, add value, to show people that it's possible to live your life as a lion, not a sheep. You get to choose who you become. Because of this, they have been able to build a community of lions that declare who they are and what they want from life. The question they ask, are you a lion or a sheep? With over 300,000 customers, fast USA shipping, and based in Utah, right here in the United States, there is something for everybody. I am obsessed with all of their apparel, from t-shirts, hoodies, headwear, accessories, and so much more. And they just dropped their queen collection for us ladies. Let's be real. We're done with the summer heat, right? We're done with it. Leave. Get on out of here. Right around the corner is fall and winter, and you need Lions Not Sheep apparel. Make sure you order today on their website at www.lionsnotsheep.com and use discount code LITTLEBIT to place your order today. Again, head on over and get that apparel today. Lionsnotsheep.com. Welcome to Little Bit of Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tabitha, better known as Little on social media. A lot of you may know me from social media, but Little is shown off the apps. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and occasional chats on topics of what we seem to think but don't say. Special guests will join in that have impacted me along the way. Very little is left off limits. Enjoy on your favorite streaming platform, watch live videos of interviews on YouTube, and let's dive into some topics together. Hey guys, welcome into another episode, Little Bit of Life Podcast, right here with your host, Little. We are close to wrapping up season three. That's wild to me. Where has the time gone? I feel like I just started this journey with you guys, but we are closing out season three in the next couple episodes here, and I'm really excited to bring you season four. But with that said, I needed to have this episode drop. We're talking medical but we're talking brain aneurysms. And when you hear that, it's always this almost panic mode of, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. Or we hear family members or friends that are close to us that struggle with this. An estimated 6.7 million people right here in the United States have an unruptured brain aneurysm, or that's one in 50 people. The annual rate of rupture is approximately 8 to 10 per 100,000 people. So about 30,000 people in the U.S. suffer a brain aneurysm rupture every year. Think about that. Up to 6% of people living in the United States have an unruptured brain aneurysm. While it's still rare, they do happen. And I have a very special guest on with me today. Her name is Shelly, and she's a dear friend of mine that never would have imagined that this would have been her story, her diagnosis, but she's not allowing this to stop her. Sit back and enjoy today's very special episode with me and Shelly. Hey guys, welcome into another episode, Little Bit of Life Podcast with Little. I don't think that there is any topic that goes untouched, especially with this podcast. We talk about everything from the good, the bad, the ugly, the feeling that, okay, maybe I'm crazy, the feeling that, you know what, maybe I'm the only one going through this. So I have an amazing friend on today. Her name is Shelly. We had the privilege of having the world's best Bloody Mary I've ever had in Wisconsin, hands down. Um, But she's on with us today, and we are going to share her story about what life looks like after a brain aneurysm. Like, can we just imagine that for a second? Can we just like that just blows my mind. So Shelly, how are you doing? I'm so glad to have you on today. I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Just another day going through the motions, I feel like. (laughs) (laughs) It's all we can do every day. Wake up, put a smile on our face and keep moving forward. 
Exactly. So you're here to share your story. How was your health like before this happened to you? Was there any like inclination, family history, anything like that? So absolutely no family history um, besides being a little bit overweight, um, which I think, you know, some of us kind of struggle with our entire life. Uh, <laughs> I was completely healthy. Nothing wrong with me. Everything was completely fine. I had nothing going on. So it was uh, quite a shock. Wow. Did you have, what kind of like symptoms were you having or kind of how did, how did you get from healthy traveling, you know, living your best life to this is now what my diagnosis was and what does the rest of my life look like now? The hardest part was I started hearing whooshing in my ear. So like, you know, like a heartbeat in your ear. And I went into the doctor and they told me that I didn't hear that. There was no such thing. And they sent me home and sent me on my way. So I went back three days later with the same exact thing with the worst headache of my entire life, still the whooshing in my ear. And finally, somebody put a stethoscope up to my ear and they could hear it. And they sent me to the ears, nose, throat doctor. So finally, somebody actually acknowledged that they heard what they heard. Mm -hmm. um, but in the meantime, they put me on an antibiotic just in case because, you know, I might be having like a sinus infection. So <laughs> That's what I was being treated for. So sent home with an antibiotic, a little whooshing in the air, probably a sinus infection, ear infection, you know, something like that going on. So wow. that's, that's kind of how that, that started. Um, and then when I finally got the ears, nose, throat, you know, appointment three weeks later, um, she, she took the scope up my nose and she came back in the room and sent me down to um, neurosurgery instantly. And two days later, I was on the table having surgery for an aneurysm and I have a coil placed in my brain now. So Wow. So what went from, I hear the sound, and I always say, especially with the medical episodes that I've done in the past, you know your body better than anyone. Mm -hmm. And when you go to a provider... Yep. You're there because you're like, hey, I'm having this symptom. I already feel weird for being here. I already feel like I'm inside my head anyway. Uh, I need help. And it's so frustrating because when we're going to these providers, I know far too well, it's I have this symptom. No, you don't. I have this. Mm, well, maybe this, this, or this. But you're always looked at as like a project of, well, let's throw this mm -hmm. at you, see if it works. And then if you don't feel better, come back. But with your specific scenario, that is like a life or death situation. So it amazes me to hear like, I'm hearing this, something's going on. No, you don't hear it. No, you're crazy. Like we always think we're crazy when it comes to us going up against doctors to get an answer, but we know our bodies very well. Absolutely. The craziest part is months before I um, had just started falling down randomly, didn't know what was going on, um, couldn't explain kind of some nerve pain that I was having. And so they sent me to a neurologist, my regular primary care physician did. And we did a couple of scans and I was told, well, there might be some matter, you know, some white areas on your brain, but we can't quite tell. But, you know, we're just going to give you some gabapentin and see if that helps. And, and gabapentin's, you know, kind of a, a nerve thing. It's also meant for seizures and other, it's just a very broad drug for a lot of different things. So I'm like, mm -hmm. so you don't really know what's going on with me, but you're going to give me a medication and we're going <laughs> to, we're, we're going to try this out and see if this helps. And looking back at, at everything now, it just all the totality of all of it, it all just kind of went together. And now I'm like, wow, how long was this really actually going on? Was I was I actually having this problem maybe for over a year is pretty much what I came down to. Mm -hmm. So how long was your initial surgery? Like they put you in pretty quickly. So what was that like being this massive just surgery that was 
unexpected because here you were taking medications, not really knowing what was going on. And it seemed drastic of, we have a diagnosis, we know what's wrong. And now we, we have to get yep. you straight to surgery. Yep. Um, I was in surgery for about four hours. Um, unfortunately, I did flatline. Uh, they did have a hard time. I lost a lot of blood, had to have a blood transfusion, had a pretty difficult time with it. I had some other um, female things going on with that because they put me on some blood thinners, which we can get into that at another point. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, because of that situation, I've now had to have a hysterectomy. But um, mm -hmm. uh, with that going on. And then I was in ICU. I woke up in ICU, uh, 12 hours later and I was in ICU for a couple of days and they told me I should be fine. Um, I should be back to normal in a couple of weeks and everything will be great. And that is not how my life has gone. So. So what does life look like now after this diagnosis? I know you and I have talked on our own. Um, you're getting ready to come up with another surgery. Yep. So it just seems like once they feel that the surgery procedure is done, it's like, oh, back to normal. Let yep. us know if you have any problems. Basically, take your bag. Here's a little uh, water cup to show that you <laughs> left here with a scar. Have a nice day. So what does life, how has it changed your life completely? The hardest thing for me is that everybody looks at people like, and I'm, I'm going to say you and I, because they look at us and they go, well, you look, you look fine. You sound fine mm -hmm. because we don't physically have like a cast on our leg. We don't have a wheelchair. We don't have something that people can see. Same thing with like, you know, you've talked about depression and all, all kinds of other things on some of your podcasts. And it's hard because people cannot tell what we are physically going through on the insides of our body. Um, so I just, I do ask for people to just be compassionate with everyone. Cause you, again, you never know what people are going through. Um, but mm -hmm. the hardest thing for me is I have to go in for a scan every year, um, whether that be an MRI, an MRA, um, or I have what's called an angiogram. Um, they go up through my femoral artery and my groin. They send a camera all the way up just to take a look around and see what's going on. And if everything looks okay, then I move on for another six months to a year. If it doesn't look okay, well, then we go back and that's where I'm at now. So on October 20th, I'm going back in for another angiogram and they will be placing something called onyx. Um, it's like a glue that they insert into your um, your vessels that close off some of your bad connections um, in hopes to kind of stay ahead of maybe a potential another aneurysm and other bad areas, so. It amazes me with diagnoses because it's always um, the follow-up. Yep. And so many people don't realize once you get a diagnosis, it's not like the perfect description and a code on a piece of paper. Like you can go about your life. It's anxiety and depression and that worry of, I know I have this date coming up as a follow-up, but what is my life going to look like yeah. at the next one and the yeah. next one? Because it's always this unknown. Yeah. So how do you go about, for anyone that might be listening and is going through the same thing, how do you almost prepare yourself mentally whether you get good results or bad results, because you know that six month follow up is coming. So how do you prepare yourself emotionally and mentally for that? Honestly, I have just learned that no matter whether it is good or bad, I, I have to deal with it. Um, I have no choice. I can I can run away from it. But when I return, it's still going to be there. So just continuing mm -hmm. to just stay positive um, has really, really helped me out. A lot of people always make comments about how I'm a unicorn, um, which is <laughs> kind of a little bit about my name on Instagram is Eat Sparkles, because I just I really just make the best of really bad situations. And I try to find mm -hmm. the silver lining, if you will. Um, same thing with with life. You know, there's days that you you already know it's hard to get up and it's hard to go to work and it's hard to do the things that are easy for most people. 
Um, but we mm-hmm. just, we have to do our best and, and keep pushing forward. Uh, there are days that I absolutely will just say, I am done with these doctors. I don't want to go through this bullshit anymore. I don't want to listen yep. to what your opinion is. I don't want to hear what your answers are. I don't want any more drugs. And um, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. There's days that I, I kick, scream, punch and say I've had enough. But yeah. there's also days that I get back up and say, okay, here we go. Let's do this. I've got it. So since you didn't have any family history with this, have you found other maybe like support groups or different places, especially with how massive social media is? Have you found comfort in finding other maybe groups or people that are going through the same thing and kind of talking to someone that may be going through the same thing or similar that you are? Yes, I have actually found a phenomenal group. It's called the Bee Foundation. Um, It's a group of survivors or family members of survivors or people who have passed away um, from having brain aneurysms. It also um, brings together other neurosurgeons to our group. And we talk about just bringing awareness um, to aneurysms. One of the biggest things that happens when someone like us does fall to the ground or something happens and EMS or EMT arrive they often treat us for like drug overdose um, because that is a big problem in, in the U.S. Um, so just mm-hmm. bringing awareness to the fact that not all of us are, are overdosing on a drug. We might be having a stroke or an aneurysm. Um, and, and what does that look like? Um, and then just, you know, keeping everyone around us so they know what to look for in a stroke or an aneurysm as well. But the B Foundation, once a month, um, we get on kind of like you and I are right now where we can just hop on and see everyone's face. It's confidential. Sometimes we do readings from books. Um, we, we all, anyone can share. You don't have to share. You can just listen. And sometimes we, we get to hear some really amazing stories. And sometimes we have some really sad days too. But we, we have to go through all of those emotions so we can all be there together for one another. I love that you are able to have that. And for any listeners, please make sure to do the research. I always tell people, no matter what you're struggling with, whether it's a diagnosis that may be common or maybe something that you never thought in your life you would have to deal with or even dream it or think about, it not only affects you as a person, but it affects your entire support system. It affects your family, your friends, your coworkers, because they see you, like you said, not with a cast on their arm, not, Mm -hmm. you know, with you know, massive laid up in bed moments because we are these warriors. So it's like, you know what? I'm not going to lay in bed all day. I'm not going to let this defeat me. I'm going to continue to move about my life, but my life now is different. Correct. So how has this changed your community and your support system? Like with your friends, your family, like how has this affected everything around you? It has actually made my life so much better, um, believe it or not, because uh, everyone has really come together and better understood who I am as an individual. Um, At first, when everything happened, everybody was very protective of me because of what I was going through. And, oh, don't do that because of this. Don't do that. (laughs) And now, you know, um, I just kind of get in the car and I, I drive wherever, you know, drive to Montana, go here, go there, do whatever it is that feels right at the time. Um, because again, we all know that life is not promised. And this, this was a very gentle reminder of that. And it reminds everyone around me the same thing. So it, it's brought a lot of light to a lot of people. So that's good that you see it that way. Cause I feel so many get a diagnosis and they feel, you know, my life is over. I don't have any answers or, you know, my doctors have just made this what my life is going to be. Yep. Um, I've been through so many doctors that I probably can't even see straight. I could probably be a doctor right now. <laughs> And you go to physicians and it's like, you know, the person, you know, says, oh, you're doing fine. And then this person states, well, let's try this or let's do this. And you get so down on yourself that you don't see, like you said, how is this going to change my life? How can Mm -hmm. I use this to obviously 
bring awareness, but also make people realize like this isn't just the end of the book. You can continue on and just make life what it's supposed to be with this condition. It doesn't define you. Correct. Absolutely. So does this affect with um, your upcoming surgery? Does this affect like how you travel or for anyone that might be getting a diagnosis or maybe their family member has the same diagnosis? Like how do you protect yourself or your loved one? Like how does your life change or how do you kind of have to adapt? Um, you know, at first, um, they, like I said, they, they kind of play it off like it's not that big of a deal. Um, you really, as you know, um, you have to listen to your own body. Um, I don't ever listen to their guidelines. Um, it's, it's, it's just so, it's not for me. Um, two weeks could mean six weeks for me. Six weeks could mean only one week for me um, or you. And so I just always decide how is, how is my body feeling? What do I need to do today? And I have to keep moving. So even if I just get up and go for like a half of a walk around the block or just I have to get up and I have to keep moving, um, that's important to me. But the hardest thing with this procedure is just like you always said, here we go again. I'm getting poked at again. I'm getting prodded at again. Somebody else is going to tell me something different again. And um, again, just going into it with a positive mindset and just getting ready to, okay, what am I going to do after this? So I'm already planning mm -hmm. another trip after this. So that's what I, <laughs> I have to give myself something to look forward to, um, to work towards, um, you know, and I do have a lot of things I can't do in life now. And I just don't think about those things. I don't think about the can'ts. I think about the can'ts. Mm -hmm. It's always hard when you, I mean, I, everyone always laughs. They're like, you're so stubborn and you've always been that way since you were little and you don't ask for help and everything you have it figured out. And even if you don't, you lay silent until you get it figured out. So I think that's one of the hardest parts, especially as females getting a medical diagnosis is we still think that we can carry the entire world yeah. on our shoulders and not ask for help. Yep. So I do these episodes, especially with medical diagnosis to let people know it's okay to kind of have that weak moment where you're like, yep. maybe I can't do all this on my own. It's okay to ask for help or it's okay. Sometimes I feel like with me, it's okay to get help or even just to vent from strangers because sometimes you don't want to burden your family or like your friends or your partners or anything mm -hmm. like that. So it's okay. Like you said, to find those areas with social media and networking to get help. Maybe somebody won't understand 100%, but maybe they'll just be there as kind of your soundboard because you Correct. don't have to go through anything alone. Correct. I honestly, that is that is phenomenal, phenomenal advice because it's so true. Like you said, you don't want to burden your loved ones because they've already been through so many other things with your worry. Um, and sometimes mm -hmm. you just want to talk to somebody else, even if it's just about what the weather is for the day or what else is going on that has nothing to do outside of, you know, <laughs> your yep. current reality. Yeah, correct. Yep. So, it, but again, it is great to find those groups of people that understand what you're going through or someone else who's going through something else, even if it's not the same condition, but something similar. So you both can relate and you both can mm -hmm. talk about it and walk through it and then be there for each other and say, you know what, I'm here for you they're there for you. Let's help each other. And how are you doing today? How do you feel today? And I care. Mm -hmm. So it's important, even if they're strangers, it's important to let people know that you're there for them. Yep. I think one of the hardest things for me, especially working through my diagnosis was everyone would always say, you know, how are you feeling today? Like you're posting, you look okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, some of the things I posted may be from six months ago that I just have stored in my phone. And meanwhile, as I'm posting, I'm like laying with an ice pack on my head and yep. I'm like, have the lights off. Yeah. So 
just because like you said in the beginning, someone looks okay, maybe you don't know what they're struggling with. Correct. And that's where the social networking and the support system comes from because people will get to know when you say, yeah, I'm okay. Or yeah, I'm doing all right. They'll know to pry a little bit more and be like, okay, but how are you really How are you really doing? Yep. Yep. What's really going on? But that's always like my joke. You look fine. You sound fine. Yeah. That's, that's so, but yeah, it's, it's very, very important to make sure again, that you find someone um, like yourself or, you know, I know that, you know, to ask me, Hey, Shelly, how are you really doing? And I can say the same Mm -hmm. thing to you. Well, Tabitha, how are are you really doing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And it depends on the day. Do you have anything in regards to like um, maybe like the weather or is there anything that kind of maybe triggers your symptoms and just kind of makes you, I always say on that roller coaster of like, maybe today I'll feel like crap and then maybe tomorrow I'll feel better. So do you have any like triggers or anything like that? I do. There's actually a couple I like to point out to people. The biggest thing is weather. Um, So when those fronts change, especially I live in the Midwest most of the time here and it's, it's when that humidity changes, the storms are coming in. I really can feel, this is sound crazy, but I can feel that coil in my brain. Um, and it just mm-hmm. really, um, I have a headache every day of my life. So it's whether that headache's at a five or a 10, it really pushes it to that 10 for the day. And it's, as you know, a headache sufferer, it's unbearable. You're done, lights out, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're in bed and it's over. Um, a few other triggers I have learned uh, through working with some dietitians at the hospital um, are foods such as onions and tomatoes are actually triggers for migraine patients, which I never would have known that. I've been eating them my entire life, like right off the vine at my grandparents' house. So <laughs> yep. um, I, I try to stay away from some of the foods that are, are triggering um, some issues for me. And uh, I did start to log and notice that onions did start to cause my headaches to get worse. So I do stay away from them now. Hmm. Pretty crazy stuff. <laughs> It's interesting because it's not something that you automatically would think like, okay, I have a headache. What is triggering this? Yeah. I love how it's not just a black and white, especially with your condition. It's not yeah. just, this is my life and this is now what I have to do. It's like you're finding different things of like, what can I do to help my situation and yeah. then maybe be better on my own? So Correct. I love that you found that information. That's amazing. Absolutely. Onions are the best. I know. I know. I, I know. I know. I want onion rings. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Somebody eat onion rings for me today and send me a picture. It will make me so happy. <laughs> I will tag her on Instagram, please. Flood her entire inbox with onion rings, please. Today. That, that will make my day. I just, I can't, I can't eat them anymore. If we have a listener that might be going through that trade-off of, I know my body's not right. I know something's going on, but I cannot find a doctor that will listen. Everyone thinks I'm crazy. Everyone is making me like the guinea pig across the board medically of what to do, not to do. What advice would you give a listener right now that may be going through this and they just don't know what else to do? Don't give up. Go to a different doctor. Find somewhere else to go. I had to see. I mean, I know I I made it short and sweet at the simple at the beginning there, but I did see seven different doctors um, going through this entire process. And again, I felt like a hypochondriac. I felt like I was crazy. I felt like I was just absolutely insane. And that moment that someone finally actually believed me, tears just fell down my face. Um, Mm -hmm. So just continue to make sure that you listen to your body. You know your body. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. And just make sure that you do not give up. Mm-hmm. Do you, through this process, do you log um, certain things? Like, do you log, I mean, a bunch of providers were like, you know, oh, keep a headache journal. But when you have a headache every day of your life, it's yeah. like, 
I'm going to be writing this every single second of the day. Like today, I feel like shit. Today, five minutes later, I feel even worse. Do you log? Because I feel like that's such a medical thing that everybody wants you to do. Like log activities or trigger. Do you do that? I actually do. Um, So, you know, after you have neurosurgery, your neurosurgeon's kind of done with you until he has to see you for surgery again. So I see what's called the headache clinic. Um, That's kind of, you know, that's where neurology is. Um, So Mm -hmm. I keep a headache log for them. And so I have agreed, I'm not going to write everything down every day if I'm having my normal headaches, right? But anything Mm -hmm. beyond my normal headache is when I'm logging them. So that way they can kind of understand what was going on that day. What was the weather like that day? What was happening that day? So we can continue to kind of get to the bottom of how to make things better for me. Um, We're Mm -hmm. also doing a lot of different injections, just trying different things that they can kind of see, you know, radio frequency ablations. We're trying anything we can uh, (laughs) just to try to break up uh, how my headaches are and how bad that they are. So I really at first was like, really, I have to write all this stuff down. This is just, it's stupid. But now Mm -hmm. looking back at it, I'm really glad that I did because it's actually helping me so much. And they're taking me off more and more medications and we're finding more and more ways to help me without taking those medications. So like finding trigger foods and finding different things. So just, you know, again, just I, I would tell people, write things down and keep keep an eye on it. Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned they're taking me off more and more medications. When we know something's wrong with our body. It seems to be the natural thing of, oh, we'll push pharmaceuticals. I did an episode about this, pharmaceutical versus natural. And when it comes to anything, whether you have a headache or you stub your toe or, you know, your eye is twitching and you take any form of medication possible, you have 500 side effects that come in tune with that, that pretty much wreck your system. So I love that you are not going the full pharmaceutical hundred percent way, especially with this condition, because it only, I feel like it's only a Band-Aid. It only works for so long. And then like with me, I was on Topamax a billion milligrams a day. And then when I went into the Mayo Clinic, they're like, um, your kidney level is 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 pretty bad. I'm like, well, well now we have another problem that yep. we have to handle. You so, have a problem. Yeah, problem for your problem. But I, I still, you know, I do, I do massage. I do cupping. I use oils. I do. I, I have tried acupuncture. I've tried everything. Um, you know, again, mm-hmm. I'm just out here trying to figure out what works best uh, to make mm-hmm. me to make me be able to function like a normal human being and not be in miserable <laughs> pain every single day. So, yeah. Well, I'm so happy that you came on, shared your story. I will put all your information um, for your Instagram in the bio. So anyone that may be listening, if you're struggling right now, if maybe you're going through this or even a family member and you're just not sure what the next step is, reach out, do your research, check on social media. And I always tell people, don't be shy because there's no stupid question. There's no wrong answer. Just dive into the internet. Now, don't believe everything you read on Google because yeah. then you will become a hypochondriac. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> but reach out to those networks and people that may be able to walk through the path with you and then may be able to help you when you have those moments of like, I'm done. I'm checking out. I can't do this anymore. So I think that's very important, especially in the recovery journey, because with this condition, it is lifelong. So it's not just surgery, one and done. Have a good day. See you later. It's learning your new normal and then finding how that kind of pieces together in your day to day. Absolutely. And that's what I love about, like I said, the B Foundation. We're doing a special right now of I'm, I'm done with neurosurgery. Now what? Because again, as Mm -hmm. you talked about, here we go in our journey and nobody gives us a book for this. Nobody tells us what to do or where to go. And so that's why you need to find people like you and I out here so we can help other people 
continue to find their way. Exactly. Well, thank you again for coming on and uh, we will be keeping you in our prayers in October for your neck surgery. Um, hopefully it is just getting fewer and fewer that you need. Um, and like I said, I'll put all your information in the bio for this episode. If you have questions, I'm always available to reach out to by a direct message as well as Shelly herself. And like I said, dive in, especially if you're having an evening where you're just feeling like you're lost. Just go with the B Foundation, send anything on Google. There's a lot on Facebook and just kind of find people that may know exactly what you're going through and might be able to help you through the process. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. And also I'm watching your journey and we're going to continue to be there to support you as well. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Little Bit of Life. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow today's episode on your favorite listening platform and share these stories to more that need to be in the know. Get in on the action with the podcast Facebook and follow the little adventures on Instagram at little cute one AZ. I'll catch you on the next episode.